Now, remember, we're looking at how God deals with it. And we're going to see from this man's life uh, God's response and God's reaction. We're going to see some things he did, too, that he didn't have to do that could have been different. We're going to see how this man could have actually responded differently to his situation, and life could have been so very uh, different uh, for him. Right? <clears throat> so 1 Kings chapter 22, 40, verse 42. Jehoshaphat was 30 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 5 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Azuba, the daughter of uh, Shelai. And he walked in all the ways of Asa his father, and turned not aside from it, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, uh, <clears throat> the high places were not taken away, for the people offered and burnt incense yet in the high places. And Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. Right, now the rest of the kings of Jehoshaphat the rest of the acts of the king of Jehoshaphat and his might that he showed and how he warred, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Now, uh, Jehoshaphat is the king of the southern kingdom, the king of Judah, right? Uh, and the remnant of the Sodomites, which remained in the, land, in the days of his father Asa, he took out of the land. And there was no king in Edom, a deputy was king. Jehoshaphat made ships uh, of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not, for the ships were broken at Ezan Geber. Then said Ahaziah, uh, the son of Ahab, unto Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with thy servants in the ships, but Jehoshaphat would not. Now Chronicles tells us this, that the reason uh, God caused those ships to break up and they never got to sail at all uh, is because of an alliance that he made with, uh, with Ahaziah. Remember, God did not want an alliance between the good king in Judah and uh, Ahaziah, the wicked king. And Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His father and Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. Uh, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel uh, in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked to anger the Lord God of Israel according to all that his father had done. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll begin to tease through it. Father, would you bless us tonight? Lord, we're looking to you and depending upon you. Uh, Lord, give us those words that you want spoken and then give us hearts to receive everything that you have for us. And Lord, would you bless now this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just introduce Ahaziah. Ahaziah is the, king, is the son of Ahab and Jezebel. All right? He had a weak, vacillating father, and he had a strong, domineering mother. And he comes to the throne after they have both been killed. So let's put it this way. He didn't have good DNA uh, as far as what he was being asked to do, as far as being king is concerned. And he shows no aptitude for it. He's one of those people that ends up on the throne. And you've met them in life. People who ended up doing something simply because they happen to be in the position of it. Simply because they happen to be the children of or they happen to be whatever. And they end up. But he shows no aptitude for this thing uh, of being a king at all. And really his kingdom, uh, his, his reign is short. And as far as major things, uneventful. Uh, but we get to see him and we get to see God's response to him. Right? Now turn over to sec the second book of Kings and we're going to start this first chapter and it begins and finishes or uh, finishes his reign, right? <clears throat> 
Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Now, Moab had been uh, a vassal to Israel since David's time. He had conquered the Moabites, and every year they paid a tribute to uh, Israel uh, to keep things right with them. But you know what? <clears throat> Once Ahab was dead, and let me say this about Ahab. Although Ahab was a wicked man, uh, more wicked than uh, any of the other kings, and, uh, and Jezebel stirred him up, although he was a wicked man, he did provide a relative political stability. What happened was the people around him were a bit afraid of him, uh, so there were battles he didn't have to fight. One of the battles he never had to fight was against Moab, uh, because Moab was obviously afraid of him. But as soon as he's gone, Moab thinks, well, we're just sick and tired of paying this tax every year. We're just sick and tired of having to go and pay homage to the kings of Israel. And you know, it's not David we're paying homage to uh, anymore. It's not even Ahab, it's his kid. Uh, Ahaziah, and so they decided they weren't going to pay anymore. And that's it. They don't pay, right? <clears throat> and Ahaziah fell down through a lattice. The idea is that at some point during this uh, this battle with Moab, he fell down through a lattice. And remember, the Old Testament may, said that if you had a, a, a two-storied house and you had a uh, on the top, because that's where people often slept on the roof, uh, that what you had to do is you had to have a fence around it. Uh, you know, and what was around his house was a lattice work, was a wooden fence, and somehow he fell off it. Right, so he fell off the top of his house. He fell uh, from the lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and he was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, "Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease." Now, <clears throat> problem, and here's here's a major problem for him. Uh, that, 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 that really is indicative of where he is and who he's at, right? Now, we've seen he didn't have great DNA, right? <clears throat> Mommy was a, a devil worshiper, right? <clears throat> she was the principal uh, promoter of Baal worship in the land, and Dad didn't have any backbone, even if he wanted to, and he went with it, so that the land was filled with Baal worship. And remember the contest on Mount Carmel and the... the, the, the um, <clears throat> The drought and the famine uh, that they had was all about that. And <laughs> Elijah won the, won the contest on Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal were all slain. But you know what? That didn't end it in the land, and it didn't stop it, right? Now, Dad continued to go against God, and Dad meets uh, Elijah again in Naboth's vineyard after he's done that wickedness. And Dad repents when, Naboth, when A- Elijah confronts him. Right? Now he repents, a short-lived repentance, and we find him dying uh, in chapter 22 of First Kings chapter 1 in battle. In a battle God told him not to go to. Uh, he went to battle anyway, and he ends up dying, right? Now, <clears throat> uh, Eli- Jezebel is then killed, and then we have Ahaziah, uh, the son. Now, you know, you might say, well, you know what? He really didn't have much option. All his learning and all that he was taught was, you know, that this is the way you do it, that you worship idols, that this is the way it goes. Uh, that's all his background, all his thinking. But, but let me say this to you, you know, just because it's your background doesn't mean you can need to continue doing it. In fact, you could look at it another way entirely and you could say, you know, Ahaziah had every reason to change his background. He had every reason to turn things around. He had every reason to reject the gods of his fathers because they had done uh, his family no good so far. And he had every reason to reject them and to, to, to turn to, to Jehovah. And I say, well, why would he turn to Jehovah? Well, do you know that part of his name, uh, actually he's named for God, Jehovah. 
Um, uh, the, the, the idea of his name is Jehovah will hold. He's named, it's not like the idea of Jehovah, it's not like the teachings of the Bible, the Old Testament, are totally foreign to him. He knows some of those, but he doesn't turn around. Now, why doesn't he turn around? Now, to be fair to him, most people don't. But why? You know, listen, you know, you've seen the prophets of Baal all killed. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, he, He was probably alive when that happened. If he wasn't alive, he certainly heard about it. Well, why would you stand to know from the prophets of Baal? You know, he, 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 he saw God's response to dad when dad, re, uh, when dad repented in the vineyard of, uh, over Naboth's vineyard. He saw, saw God's response to that. You know, why would he not turn around? He saw dad die when he went against God. He saw mom die when she went against God. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he repent and turn it around? Well, why don't we? Why do we do the same things that we've always done? Why do we do the same things that our families have always done? Why do we get in a groove like that? Why do we get in that place where we get in a groove and we we do those things? I don't know. I think there's several reasons. I think one reason is because it was easy just to go with the flow. Isn't it easy to go with the flow? Change is hard. Making changes is difficult. Making changes is really hard for us. And you know, it's easy, easy for us to go with the flow. Now, I mean, if you'd sat down with Ahaziah and said to him, no, look, listen, you've you, you got you to wake up here. You know, look at your parents. Look at the testimony of their lives. They have miserable, hard lives. You know, you would feel that you could have prevailed upon him, that you could have brought him to the place where he, where he would have understood. He, he knew about Elijah because in a few minutes we're going to see that he recognizes Elijah as soon as the guys come and tell him. Uh, you know, he, he knows about Elijah. Why does he continue to go his own way? Well, it's easy. And <clears throat> it's comfortable. And, you know... <clears throat> The God he follows uh, uh, is Beelzebub. Beelzebub, he is the God of the Lord of the Flies, we call him. And he was a pretty low-class God, but he developed into a better kind of a God uh, for people. Uh, But but still in all, he's a pretty low character, uh, this Lord of the Flies that that, that he's following, this Lord of the Flies that he sends to find out from. Now, why is he following him? Well, here's the reason he's following him is... Because you know what? He didn't feel he could make it with God. But he felt he just might be able to get Beelzebub to do what he wants him to do. Now, you know what? We can do that one. We can kind of look at our situation and think, well, I don't really match up to what God wants of me. Wants of me. Uh, you know, I might be able to make it on my own if I go in this direction. Uh, we can look at life this way and we can say, well, I don't really want to match up to what God wants of me. And isn't, that, isn't that the truth? That again, you see, change is hard. It's easy for me to stay in the old groove, to go the old way, and do, it the, do the old thing. That's, that's so easy for me. It's easy for me to get caught up in that groove and just to go that way. And, you know, I'm kind of comfortable there. And, you know, I, 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 I don't have to match up to anything. I don't have to uh, grow. I don't have to develop. I, 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 can just, I can just be who I am. I think that's who this man is. I think this man is weak and vacillating. I think he's 
seen the situation that's happened with his mom and dad. I think he's had moments when he said, I got to change this. I don't want to be like this. I don't, I, I don't want to live like this. But he keeps falling back into old patterns. And now he's lying on the ground having fallen from the roof. He's got cushions all around him. And you know who he turns to? The old comfortable idol. Now, this was a crisis moment. I think this thing could have ended so much differently if he had, instead of turning to Beelzebub, had turned to to God. Because, you know, God is... God is kind of amazing. When we saw when Ahab repented, what does God do? God says, did did you see him? Did did you see he's wearing sackcloth? I'm not going to do it all in his lifetime now on the head of this. God responded to Ahab, the most wicked man that had ever lived, when he repented. You know what? If this man had repented at this point, who knows how this story would have ended? Who knows how it would have come about that the changes happened. And here's the thing for us. You know, if you and I are willing to change when God confronts us and willing to let him in to help us change, anything is possible. But when we say no and go the old way and do the old thing, you know what? We're left with it. We're, we're left with our troubles and with our problems. He's going to end his life because of it. Back to our text, though. Um, <clears throat> but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, uh, Is it not because there is no God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from the bed which thou art gone up, but shall surely die, and Elijah departed. Now, here's an amazing thing. This, this kind of tickles me. You know, um, Beelzebub never got to hear the message. Like, because he wasn't around to hear it. The guys had to travel to tell Beelzebub, because, you know, um, <clears throat> he was somewhere else, and uh, his people were somewhere else, and he'd have to go and have a meeting with them, and they would have to have a meeting with Beelzebub and tell him. But you know what? Before he left the house, God knew what he had done, and God has made contact with Elijah and sent him into the fray, into the situation, to deal with the situation. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. God knows everything. God knows everything. Ahaziah is lying on the ground. He's dying uh, of his illness, and he, he, he sends off uh, to Beelzebub, and God is listening. God is saying, do you know that God knows everything that goes on in your life? Every, God knows every thought you have. God knows everything you say. He knows every thought you have. God knows all of it. You, you never have to come to God. Sometimes we want to inform God in prayer. Well, Lord, if you were around you, you would have seen such and such a happening. That's ridiculous. God knows. He was there. He saw it. God's not just even a bystander. He's a chief actor uh, in our lives. Why do you think Ahaziah fell off the roof? Because God. What was God looking for when Ahaziah fell off the roof? What do you think he was looking for? He was looking for his attention. He was looking to turn this man around. You see, God's always interacting in our lives and giving us opportunities. He's never just slamming us. 
He never just takes somebody and knocks them off a roof because he doesn't like them. He's, he's always working in lives. He's always giving us opportunities. And you see, here he is in Ahaziah's life, and he's saying, okay, Ahaziah, now listen, you're on the ground. Uh, for all your kingly power, you're lying on the ground, and there's nothing you can do about it because you've just fallen off the roof. Um, turn to me. Could Ahaziah have turned to God? Yes, he could. Would the situation have been totally changed if he had? Yes, it would. I don't know exactly what would have happened. You don't know that, but the situation would have been changed if he had turned to God. Now, let me say this to you. Don't you and I sometimes feel we're too far to, from God to turn to God? Don't we? Don't we sometimes say, well, you know, I'm bent out of shape with God, and, I, and you know, <clears throat> the truth is, you know, he wouldn't listen to me. That's never true. That is never true. No matter how low you get, no matter how bad it gets, listen, you can turn to God. You can turn to God. But he doesn't turn to God. He turns to his idol. Now, the heart of idolatry is this, I really believe. An idol has a certain element of controllability about them. In other words, if you put the money in the slot with an idol, the idol's more than likely going to do what you want them to do. You make the sacrifice, the idol's going to do what you want the idol to do. So he's sending to this idol in the hopes that he can prevail upon the idol to change the prognosis if it's bad. And he was probably prepared to pay quite a pretty penny, wouldn't you? If it was your life. And don't we sometimes turn to things we can control? Because there is this reality, you know, God's God, and you never know what he's going to do. You never know how he's going to respond in the situation. See, when you come to God, what you do is you come to God and you say, now, Lord, I'm at your mercy. Because you always are. Whether you want to admit it or not, doesn't really matter. You're always at God's mercy. But when you come to God, you have to recognize that. You know, <clears throat> once, once Ahaziah brings God into the situation, it's out of his hands. He's at the mercy. Of, and we don't like that, do we? We don't like being in the place where we're at the mercy of anybody, even God. We, 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 we want to avoid that. Now, here's the thing for you and I. <clears throat> we need to understand that putting yourself at the mercy of God is the best place in the world. Putting yourself at the mercy of God, the God who loves you, the God who knows what's best, and the God who has the power uh, to do it in your life, putting yourself at his mercy is the best place in the world. Putting yourself at his mercy is peace, is joy, because you step into the situation. Now, it's true. He may tell you to do something you didn't want to do. And isn't that sometimes why we don't want to go to him? Isn't that sometimes why we don't want to put ourselves at his mercy? Because we're not prepared to do whatever he would tell us to do. You see, when I come to God with my situation, I, I can come to God. And I, I mean, I, I can feel totally free to tell God what I would like to happen in the situation. Uh, but I don't have any ability to make him do that. And really what happens is when I put myself, when I bring me, me and my problem to God, I say, now, God, now listen, you're God. And you're perfectly right to do whatever you think best in the situation. And he does, doesn't he? 
He takes and he does what's best in the situation. Now, here's my experience. My experience is that his best oftentimes is not what I want. Did you ever do that? You prayed for something, for God to do something, and God did exactly the opposite. I've done that lots of times. You ask God to do something, and he does exactly the opposite of what you asked him to do. And, um, you know, you want to say, God, weren't you listening? Yeah, he was listening. He just overruled. He said, no, that's not the best thing. And you say, but how can this be the best thing? Well, he's God, and he knows what the best thing is. And when I come to God with my problem, the only place I'm going to find peace and rest is when I come with a heart that says, Lord, you do whatever you want to do with the situation. Lord, whatever you're going to do is going to be best. And you know, when I get there, peace flows in my life. That's a good place to be. And when I'm fighting and fussing and trying to prevail upon God and control God and make him do what I want him to do, I'm no peace. There's no peace. There's no joy uh, in that situation. Now, God speaks. Let's go back to our passage here. Uh, Verse 7, And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and and told you these words? And they answered him, He was a hairy man and girt uh, with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Now, how does he know that? Well, there's two ways. Either he's seen Elijah or he's heard about Elijah. But he knows He understands Elijah. Now now remember family history with Elijah. Elijah is the man that had, uh, at his word, God had told him, at his word, there had been a famine in the land for three and a half years, no rain. At his word, there had fire had fallen from heaven and uh, the prophets of Baal had been defeated and ultimately slain. At his word, dad had been... judged for the issue at Naboth's vineyard, and at his word, mom had judged, and they both died. Family history here is pretty strong. So he knows who this is, and, and, and he's like, but you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't get the message. He doesn't say, okay. He doesn't come to the place where he recognizes, I'm up against God, And he doesn't back down. And he doesn't repent. Now, that's strange. Isn't it? Wouldn't you think that after all he had seen, he would bow before God and say, you know what, I can't win this one. Nobody in my family has won so far, and I won't win either. I'm going to give in. No, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Now, (laughs) Why? I'll tell you why I think. I think by this time pride's kicked in. I think by this time he's decided, you know what? Uh, I've set my course. I'm going my course and nobody's going to stop me. And pride has kicked in. I think when pride kicks in, we become very foolish. We do things that are really not convenient, that are not helpful to us. We do things that are honestly, kind of dumb. You see, the problem for us is that God resists the proud. And when you get proud, 
you get prouder, don't you? <laughs> Does that make sense? Once you get proud, you kind of dig in on it. You're not giving in. You know, you're, you're, you're losing the argument, uh, so <clears throat> you, but you won't give in. Now, l- let me say this to you. It is absolute folly to go up against God. Can you I, I go up against God? Yeah. We just don't accept his judgment in the situation. We just don't accept what he's doing in the situation. We're just not going to accept it. We're going to push for something different. And that's pride. When God tells you to do something, even though it may not look like it to you, it's the best thing, and you need to give in to it. When God is telling you what he wants you to do, you need to say, yes, Lord. Don't fight him. You can't win. You can't ever win with God. You can't ever put God to the worse. Now, you know that, don't you? And yet, like Ahaziah, sometimes we try. Sometimes we try to control God. You can't. You won't. God's going to do what he likes in your situation. Because he always knows best. And what you've got to do is you've got to come to the place where you accept and you let him do, but that's not Ahaziah. Now let's continue on with our story here. Right? <clears throat> uh, then the king sent uh, unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty, and he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of a hill, and he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. Now, <clears throat> why do you think he sent a captain with fifty men up to him? Do you think he was inviting him down for tea? Do you think he sent 50, 50, 50 soldiers out with the invitation to tea? I don't think he was inviting him down to tea. I think if he couldn't control God, at least he was going to control Elijah. And what he needed was he needed Elijah brought down and maybe, maybe he could just prevail upon this Elijah guy. Maybe he could make him change his mind and turn the whole thing around. So he sends a captain and 50 up and the captain barges in and says, listen, you come with me. Now, he's a captain. He's used to getting his own way. He's got 50 men. You don't do what he's told. You don't last very long. And so he comes and he says to Elijah, you come down. You come down right now because you know what? The king wants to see you. So what does Elijah do? And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. They were incinerated on the spot. By the way, isn't that interesting? It's in keeping in what happened on Mount Carmel. See, this king is going to control God. He's going to control God's man. And um, he can't. You can't either. God tells you he's going to do something. There's nothing you can do to stop him from doing it. God warns you about something you shouldn't be doing and you carry on doing it. You're a fool. Because what's going to happen is sooner or later it's going to catch up on you. And that's just the reality of it because God is God. And he resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. Don't, don't for a minute think that you can somehow uh, get the best of God in the situation. Because Ahaziah somehow thinks he's going to get the best of the situation uh, <clears throat> by, uh, by bringing this Elijah guy down and bringing him to book. Right? <clears throat> and so these guys get incinerated on the spot. Um, so verse 11, what does he do? Again, also he sent unto him another captain of 50 with his 50, and he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, come down quickly. 
I think what happened was word got down to the king that the other guys had been incinerated. And, and instead of being, being shocked and awed as he should have been, he was furious. And so he calls another captain and he says, now you go get them. Bring them down. I want them brought down here. I want them down here. I want them down here now. No messing about. Don't mess about. You're, listen, uh, your, 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 your job is on the line. Your life is on the line. You make sure you bring them down here. And so the guy marches up the hill and he says, listen, you come down right now. Uh, <clears throat> verse 12, And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. By the way, it's interesting that this guy was so arrogant when he was standing over incinerated corpses. But you know what? When we're dumb, we're really dumb. You know, when we're dumb, we, we do things that are just not wise. So now 102 men have died. Because this king is in a bad, bad mood and he wants to bring God. He wants to bring God's man to book. Right? <clears throat> um, and he sent again a captain of the third 50 with his 50. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants be precious in their sight. Behold, there came down fire from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. Different attitude now. Comes up humbly. You know what? Humility is always the access to God. Recognizing your inability. Recognizing that there is a God and you're not him and that he's in charge, is always the access to God. When you come before God, and you want his answer, you come and you may understand. He's God and you're not. And if you don't get that, you'll never get anywhere with God. God doesn't have to ask you by your leave. God doesn't have to ask you, can he? He's God. He can do whatever he likes. And when you come to him, you need to recognize that. See, he's God of this world, and everything in this world is under his control. There's no way you can hide. There's no way you can do something he's not aware of. He's God. And when you come to him, come to him humbly. What's this man saying? Listen, you've just, he's just burned up. A hundred and two men. And I know if you ask him to, he'll burn me up too. Please don't. Please don't. Right? <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him. Be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. You know, I think Elijah went down for this man's sake. Not for the king's sake. I think he went down for this man's sake. Because this man had been sent up to get... Elijah and bring him down. And apart from him bringing him down, the king was not going to be satisfied. But the angel says, don't be afraid. I will take care of you. Now, remember, the last time Elijah's had dealings with the palace was when he got a love note from Jezebel and she told him she was going to kill him. So this is a scary place for him. So I think reasonably, humanly speaking, uh, he had fear. 
But God says to him, go down with him. What do you think Elijah does? Well, Elijah knows what nobody else in this situation knows. He knows it's futile to disobey God. And so in spite of his fear, he goes down. He goes down with him. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, is is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that, that bed on which thou hast gone up, but shalt surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elida had spoken. And Jehoram reigned in his stead in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, uh, what he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So uh, Elijah goes down and gives them exactly the same message, word for word, and then he dies. What do you do with a situation like this? How do, you, how do you deal with a situation like that? Let me give you three thoughts and we're done, right? <clears throat> First thought is this. Don't let your DNA rule your life. Don't let where you come from dictate where you go. We often do. Don't let that be. You can change it. When God steps into your life, he is the agent of change, and you can change. Is change hard? Yeah. But you know what? Not changing is harder still. Not changing is harder still. <clears throat> you, you may look at your situation and you say, I can't change. I'll never be different. I'm just going to be always the same. Well, you can make that decision. You can prophesy that over your life if you want to. But you know what? It's only because you're accepting it to be true. If you would let God, he would change you, and your life could be different. And remember this, if you do the things you've always done and do the things your family have always done, you're going to be like you've always been. That's just common sense, isn't it? Unless you change the way you do things, you'll stay what you've always been. But you can change. Don't let your DNA rule your life. It doesn't have, your past does not have to dictate your future unless you let it. You know, I would think that for a believer, if somebody knows you before you're saved and somebody knows you 20 years after you're saved, they should say, what happened? How did you change? It's not, it's like you're not the same person at all. Because that's the kind of power the Spirit of God has in our lives. So don't let your DNA rule your life. Second thing is this. No matter how bad it gets, don't be afraid to turn to God. Listen, you may mess up royally in life. You know what? The best of people have done. David messed up royally. You may mess up royally in life. You may, people may scorn you because you messed up and because you broke it because you got <clears throat> because you did wrong. And you may feel like I could never turn to God because I've gotten it too badly wrong. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You will never get it so wrong that God will not take you back. If you'll repent, if you'll confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Don't ever think you've gotten it so wrong. Now, I would encourage you not to, not to go down that road. 
Don't make any provision for the flesh. Don't let yourself go that road. But you know what? If you do end up in a bad place, remember, if God heard Ahab's repentance, he would hear yours too. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say that you can never get it right. And then the third thing is this. Humility is the key to your relationship with God. You know you don't know what's best. Don't you think you do sometimes? Don't you get up on your high horse some days and you think you know what's best for you. You know what God should do in this situation. Lord, you need to fix this situation and here's how you need to fix it. You don't know. You just think you know. And when you go down the pathway of I know best in the situation, there's no humility. And what's happened is you're always, you're always going to run into trouble. Don't do it. Don't do it. You've got to recognize God is God. He knows what's best. And I need to yield to him and let him have his way. I just need to yield and let him have his way. Don't be proud. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's, listen, that's a powerful verse. God stands against proud people, and he gives grace to the humble. And by the way, if you feel God standing against you, it's probably because you're proud. If you feel God standing against you, and he's not letting the things you want to happen happen, and he's not, he's not blessing your life, it's probably because you're proud. He won't, he's not going to bless when you're proud. Get off your pride. Humble yourself. Deal with sin where sin needs to be dealt with. Because we serve a God who loves us and will always come to us when we repent. You know, Ahaziah, one chapter of the Bible plus a little bit. What a waste. It could all have been so different. It could all have been so different. But you know what's good about it? There's a warning for you and I, isn't there? We can change. It doesn't matter what age you are. You can change. You can be different than the past. God's in it. The omnipotent power of the living God dwells within you to help you change. Don't think you can't change. You can be completely different from your past. Don't be afraid to turn to God (coughs) with your situation and come to him in humility. You know what? If you would come to him tonight and say, Lord, you know what? There are things wrong in my life and I don't know how to fix them, Lord. And I don't know. I, I don't have the ability. I don't have the power. I don't know. Lord, I'm looking to you. Would you show me? And Lord, I want you to know before we start, I won't even be able to do it. But with your help, with you giving me the power, I will do it. What you're doing is you're setting your heart for change. And you're inviting God in to change. And you're giving up on your way and trusting in his way. And that's the ground of miracles in your life. When you come to the place where you give up on your way and you say, now, Lord, you have it your way. That's time for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for your goodness to us. And oh, Lord, we thank you for this story, Lord. And Lord, it grieves us to see this man, Ahaziah, and the waste he made of his life. But Lord, we come to you tonight, Lord, and we do thank you that you've given us a warning in it. Now, Lord, would you help us? Help us to yield our way to your way, to humble ourselves before you, and to let you have your way in our lives. 
Now, Lord, would you bless? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let me, let me just ask you to acknowledge if God is spoken to you and what you're saying is, Lord, you've spoken, I've heard it, and by your grace, I want to change. Would you just lift your hand? Amen. Amen. See those hands? Amen. Amen. Now, listen, change doesn't happen automatically. Change happens when you decide to go God's way and you decide to make those changes he points out to you. But if you will, he definitely will. Father, bless those that have raised a hand, work in hearts and lives, and, oh, Lord, would you make us different because of your word we've heard in Jesus' name. Amen.